You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Thank you all. Thank you all. I hope you all know that uh, pastors David and Renata are a big deal. Do you know that? They're a big deal. They are amazing, first of all, because they're known all over the United States and all over the world, and so you have this very, very well-known couple and the influence that they've had on thousands upon thousands of people, and yet God calls them to plant a local church. The local church is God's genius, and we know this, that the church, the people of God and the truth of God, it's the hope of the world. So I knew David when he yelled all the time, okay, not just some of the time, but all the time. And now he hasn't calmed down, but he has budgeted his yelling, so it's part of the time. But don't you love it when he yells? I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. Four people love it when he yells. The others, I don't know about this. I, I, so I am so honored. Uh, he, he says he's honored. Chris and I are so honored to come and be with you. I'm a grandparent. Uh, my name, and you can call me this, I'm Poppy, and this is Nana. And uh, being grandparents is the greatest of all blessings in all of life for a parent, okay? And so thank you, grandparents. And so uh, I feel like Poppy here. That's what I feel like, because David, although he's not a birth son of mine, he feels like a son, and Renata feels like a daughter. And grandparents love the grandchildren more than they love the children. And it's true. So I already love you more than them, and this is just this is just awesome. Well, I want to share from the Word of God with you. I could share a lot more from my heart as far as how I feel about you, and I want to do that just a little bit more. Now, you may be newer to this. I don't know if you realize this. If you ask God to speak to you and you listen, he will. And if you ask him more and more, He'll speak more and more. Now, we know this. God has spoken, and this is his unchanging word. It is the standard of life and godliness. But God is speaking. Now, some might say this. Are you adding revelation to the word of God? Absolutely not. You expect God to give you direction when you're choosing a job, don't you? Why shouldn't we expect him to give us input and direction in everything in our lives? Now, the one caveat is this. Whatever words he speaks to you, never go in opposition of the word. So that's how you can know if this perchance is God. Here's the other thing we have to realize. Anytime God speaks to you, it's only partial because we are imperfect. And Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 13. We see dimly through a glass. One day we'll see really clear. So I want to share with you, as I spend time every day with Jesus, it's the top priority. I need to meet with the counselor every day. I need to have life support every day. I have kingdom dialysis every day so that I can live this life of God. And so I asked the Lord this morning, Lord, do you have any thoughts about your radiant church? Things that I may not know, impressions you may give me, imperfect as they are, that I might come and express God's heart to you. And I pray that somehow this speaks to every one of you, even if this is your very, very first time. Now, once again, imperfectly, here's what I believe I heard God say. Like a child conceived by the love of a husband and a wife and given as a gift to them to raise them and train them, correct them, cherish them, 
and enjoy them, so have you, my radiant church, been conceived by our love, Father, Son, and Spirit, and given life and birth in this city for this appointed time. You are loved. You are cherished. You are wanted. And you are mine. You are not here by accident. Instead, I have drawn you to this people and to the plans I have for each one of you and for all of you. The foundation of this family has been established. It is Jesus, and he is the rock. And on him you will grow in love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and you will grow in great fruitfulness. Enjoy this season. Know each other well. Get to know the stones, the stories, and the names of those in this family, and resolve to love each other deeply from the heart. For like a parent who says, where has my little girl, where has my little boy gone? They're so big now you too will grow rapidly. I'm sending many who are alone, impoverished, purposeless, broken to you. And in this house, I will transform them and I will expand you. Only keep your heart set on me, not on numbers, not on buildings, not on programs, and I will give you buildings more to serve, and a name in this city, and a unifying influence in this city, in this nation, and in the nations of the world. I will make my radiant child into my radiant bride. Spotless, devoted, beautiful, welcoming to whosoever would come, whoever is hungry, whoever is thirsty for me, and the train of your gown will be breathtaking and extend to many places around this city and beyond. To those of you in your teens and 30s, this was specific from the Lord. Yes, I've called you here to grow in love, humility, and destiny. And you will extend my vision in my house in the days ahead. Extend my radiance far and wide. My radiant child won't stay small for very long. Enjoy this season and love one another. Lay aside all selfish ambition and pride. Be in awe of what I'm doing and what I will do. To your pastors, both David and Renata, I say you please me with all that you are and all that you do. You are my beloved pastors set in this house. And I will entrust thousands upon thousands of souls to you and your care. This radiant church child birth in the womb of your hearts is becoming, even now, my radiant bride. If you can receive that, would you applaud the Lord? <clears throat> yes, Lord. Now, Lord, that's a lot of words, but I pray more than a lot of words there'd be great encouragement to people and that some would say, I know I'm home now. <clears throat> this is the confirmation. 
that others would say, I know I need to be humble now and become a part. And that all would say, you grow us, Lord, until not one person in the Kansas City area has not heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Said and lived before them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you a little bit about myself. There's something about running water that I have always loved. I just love it. And uh, we have a fountain in our backyard. As a kid, I was always in the creek. I was always playing out in the river, always swimming in the pond. And I remember one time I was a kindergartner, and and we lived in Quantico, Virginia. My father was a Marine. And and in Virginia, sometimes it just rains so heavy, it's just unbelievable. You feel like your house is going to fall down. And uh, it was raining so hard, and I'm an outdoors guy, so I just love to be outdoors. And it was one of those hot summer days in Virginia. I got this idea with my high-top black kids tennis shoes on. What if I go out there? Because we had a big hill, and the water was flowing down so fast it looked like a river in the gutter right there going down and down into the into the stuff underground and all of that and so I got this idea if my mom doesn't see me I can go up there and I can sit in that water and maybe it will carry me down so I went up the hill my mom wasn't seeing me she was caring for my little brother and I got down on the ground here and I started and that river was flowing I was just a little guy and my kids were there and I was bumping along the bottom and then I had this brilliant shot thought pick up your feet pick up and I picked up my feet and it picked me up and I was shush all the way down the hill. I was like, this is the most awesome thing up until my six years I've ever experienced in my life. So I ran back up the hill. I got back down. I lay, and I, then I learned if I get like this and I pick me and down I went about four or five times until my mother rang the bell. Did your mom have a bell? She rang the bell and she screamed up the street, afraid that I was going to kill myself. But at that moment, I became a verified, bona fide gutter boy. <laughs> I am a gutter boy. And I went down the gutter. And I didn't know then because I didn't know Jesus till I was 19 that that gutter boy was a destiny call not only to me but to all of us. Because you see, this book, whether you know it or not, this is a river book. Did did you know this? If you just follow along with me just for a second, in the Garden of Eden, there was a river that flowed from underground. And then it said it broke into four head streams and it went out of the Garden of Eden. So God's plan was, here's water in the garden, it flows up, and then it goes out into the world. Right at the beginning of your Bible, right in the second chapter of your Bible, it's a river. And then what do the people of God have to do to enter into the promised land? They had to cross over the river Jordan to enter into the land that God gave them. And God moved water once again. And then we'll read a story about a river that actually flows from God's throne. And it flows out to areas that are dead. And then we remember Jesus. And do you remember in chapter 7 of the book of John, uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles, on the greatest day of the feast where the priest poured these seven urns of water on the altar of God, Jesus stood up out of place and yelled, if anybody's thirsty, come to me. You'll be satisfied and rivers of water will flow out of you. Are you starting to see it? He who believes may come and drink and those who believe rivers of living water will flow out of you. Did you know the last book of the Bible? Guess what's in the last book and the last chapter of the whole Bible? The river of God flowing down the middle of the city of God. John 3, you were born in water. You were born in water from your mom, and then you were born in water by the Spirit, and you express that in water in baptism. Christians are born river people. Years ago, probably 20 or 30, we used to sing a song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Ah, oh, that's interesting. 
makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well, gush, 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 gush. In my soul. You see, we, we didn't know what we were singing. You know what we were singing? We were singing the theme the whole Bible emphasizes. There's a river, river there in the, in the Garden of Eden. There, there's a river in the book of Ezekiel. There's a river flowing from Jesus. The, the woman at the well, if you asked me, guess what? You know what? You wouldn't thirst anymore, and I would give you water, and it would become in you, in you, in you, a wellspring welling up to eternal life. I'm a gutter boy. But you know what the Lord it really showed me? I'm a river people. I'm a, you're saying, that's not good English. I, I'm not here to give you good English. I'm here to give you good truth. I, I, I'm a river people. Now, why do you say it that way? Because I mix an, a singular and a plural. Because I am incomplete without you. And so I'm a river people, and you're a river people. Would you say that out loud? I'm a river people. I'm a river people. Would you say it one more time? I'm a river people. I pray after today, you would never forget, you and I are river people. I was made to live from the river. I was made to live in the river. I was made to be filled with the river. I was made to give the river, but it might be good if you understand what the river is, wouldn't it? to see what God wants to do in you and through you. Because I believe this, this radiant church is a river church. And the river of life is flowing out of here. And the result will be the lame will walk spiritually, emotionally, and physically. The blind will see spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Prison doors will open because of the river if you allow that river to flow through you. If you have a Bible, turn to Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel's a hard book because it talks about all the despicable things people are doing, the despicable things they did in the temple of God. It's terrible. It's a hopeless time in, in the nation of Israel. But, but God moves and he brings Ezekiel to see these prophetic visions, prophetic, involving the future. And I believe that we're living in this vision now that he's talking about it. It's one of the high points of the entire book of the book of Ezekiel, and I want you to follow along. Now, sometimes our attention spans in this modern tech world are like this. Are you going to text this verse to me, Pastor Les? Are you, are you just going to kind of text it or do a tweet on it for me? I'm not. I'm just going to read it. It's okay. I just read it. All right. Okay. Chapter 47. Now, remember, he's seeing concrete things, but he's describing eternal things. You follow me? He's seeing concrete things. He's seeing it like I see this. But he's describing eternal spiritual things that you're invited to live right now. Chapter 47, the book of Ezekiel. The man brought me to the entrance of the temple. See, uh, an angel is giving him a tour, all right? And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, from the, for the temple faced east. And the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. So it's coming from the altar, and then he brought me out through the north gate, and he led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward, with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, that's a third of a mile long, and he led me through water that was ankle deep. Now, he's going to lead him ankle deep, he's going to lead him knee deep, he's going to lead him waist deep. And then we see in verse 5, he measured off another thousand. Now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? 
Then he led me back to the bank of the river, and when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, the water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Araba, or the Jordan Valley, where it enters the sea, or the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the water becomes fresh. This is astounding. And the water is fresh and swarms with living creatures. They'll live wherever the river flows. There'll be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Don't miss that. Where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Engliam. And there'll be places for spreading nets, and fish will be of many, many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. And fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both sides of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Every month they'll bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. The fruit will serve as food, and the leaves as healing for the nations. Everywhere the river flows, things come to life. Everywhere the river flows, things come to life. Now, I don't have time to unpack all this, but I'm going to tell you three big ideas about the river and about you. Because this river is about you. This river is about Radiant Church. This river is a reckless, loving river, and it's alive. You know what living water is? Living water is water that has a source and a flow. Stagnant water is water that just sits there. There's nothing going into it. There's nothing going out of it. And so this river, big idea number one, it has a source. This river has a source. And we read in our story, the source is the very threshold, the very altar of God. And so we can understand it this way. The source of the river is the presence of God. Where does the river flow from? The presence of God. In the book of the Revelation, you have the throne of God, and right from under the throne, the very presence of God, the river of God flows into the New Jerusalem, and it's powerful. Did you know life's first priority is friendship with God? His first priority is that you would be his friend and he would be your friend, and that you would have a true and real relationship. So King David, who's a very, very busy man, he had a big kingdom, he had a lot of problems, he had a lot of things he had to face. When we read in Psalm 27, he shows us his priority as a king, the psalmist David. He says this, one thing I ask, verse 4 of chapter 27, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. And then he says, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. Where? In his tabernacle. You know what David isn't saying? I want to live in the temple. I just want to stay. He couldn't because he's the king. But he was saying this. I want to live in the presence of God. I want that to be my priority over everything else. It's my priority over raising great kids. It's my priority over our earning finances for our family. It's my priority over having the next car. It's my priority over, over looking as great as I do. It's my priority over all of those things that I would dwell in the presence of God all the days of my life. Not once in a while, not occasionally, but every single solitary moment. Do you know why? This is so important for you to understand. Who we hang out with changes us. 
And if you're hanging out with God every day, you'll become like God. But if you're hanging out with yourself every day, you'll become like yourself. If you're hanging out with the wrong people every day, you'll become like those people. It is a law of the universe. Who you hang with, you become like. And God's priority is that you live right there near the source. Now, we know this is true because Jesus says to the seven churches, if you read the scripture in Revelation 2, chapter 4, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken your first love. Remember the heights from which you have fallen and turn and do the things you did at the beginning. What did you do at the beginning? When you first fell in love with a person, you thought about them all the time. You wanted to spend time with them. You stayed up all night long talking on the phone. Then you went to school afterwards or church afterwards. And it didn't bother you because you were in love. And he says this, I want you to live that priority of first love. That is the priority of the kingdom of God. Hey, look, get this. God doesn't need you to serve him. He can do everything you do better than you do. God doesn't need you to sing songs. He sings better than you do. You know, I'll just say it this way. God doesn't need you, but he wants you. And the thing he wants most from you is a relationship. This is why the first and greatest commandment, the Shema Israel, that was was spoken to the Israelite people was this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, he's the only God. And you are to love him, love him. Didn't say serve him first. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God's first priority is that you would love him, pursue him. As you do that, you'll live to please him, you'll serve him. So realize this, the source of the river is the presence of God. And if you're going to be a river people, you've got to live in the presence of God. This is a great place to step in together into his presence. But you can do that in your car. Just keep your eyes open. You can do it in your home. You can be in the presence of God continuously, and that's his heart's desire. A friend of mine had a speaking engagement at a place called Whispering Springs United Methodist Church in Kentucky. He went there to speak just like I came here to speak, and, and he said to uh, the person who was helping out, so, I mean, where's the spring? Because I want to see it before I preach, and they said, well, I, don't, I don't know if you want to see the spring. We were named after this artesian well that wells up, and it's a spring, and it's in the cliffs of these rocky uh, Kentucky mountains, and he said, well, I, I want to see it. Where is it? It's back behind the church. And so he said, well, show me. And he went back behind the church, and here was this little seep with green slime and and muddy water that had a refrigerator in it and some old tar paper to tar a house roof and some garbage. Have you ever seen that? The people throw garbage in rivers. I think it's the devil's plan, actually. And so what happened was this river, this underground, beautiful, beautiful spring was stopped up and fouled up. Stopped up and flat fouled up. Let me ask you a question. How's the flow of the river in your life? Is it clean? Is it running pure water? Are there hidden things in it that defile it? You know, water can look clean, but if there's 1% sewage in it, it's not clean. And are we allowing things in our lives that, that make the water impure? And, and, and God wants to ask you, are, are you close, as close as you once were to Jesus? Would you like to be closer? Now, here's the thing. We depend on him drawing us. And if, but if you'd like to be closer, he says this. Now, draw near to me, and I'll, I'm right there. If you hold back from me and say, come on, God, you come first. He said, no, 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 no. Come by faith first. And some of you, you're here. And some of you have been hurt by church. And you've been frustrated by church. And you're, you're asking, is there any church that really loves God? Is there any people that won't judge me and put me down? And if that's happened to you, let me say this. As a pastor in a city with other city pastors, if the church has hurt you as a pastor, let me say this. Forgive me. 
as a pastor for wounding you. You're saying, well, it wasn't you. I'm a part of that group. If that happened, would you forgive me? Would you release me so that you can be released? Where the church has so wounded you. Don't judge Jesus by his imperfect church. Get back to the source. Experience the beauty, the cleansing, the thirst-quenching water of the river of life. But every river has a force. Every river has a force. He measured it off. It got so deep, no one could swim in it. So we see that this intimacy with God releases a powerful force. Now, here's what I describe it as, and the Bible does also. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says this. The love of God has been poured, water, get it? Poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 15, 5, verse 14. He says, for Christ's love compels us. Do you know what that is? Force. doesn't force you. You don't have to be in it, <clears throat> but if you're in God, his love will compel you. You remember Jesus when there was a big crowd there and they were hungry and this disciple said, hey, what are we going to do? It says this, Jesus moved with compassion, fed them. And Jesus saw this little boy who was being carried dead in a funeral procession. Jesus moved with compassion. You know how God wants us to live? Just like Jesus lived. He wants us to live, move with compassion consistently. His compassion is leading us. Not just with our intellect, primarily with his compassion, moving us forward that we would see what's going around us. And Jesus was moved and he healed the sick. He was moved and he fed people. He was moved and he saw sheep without a shepherd. When you're moved with compassion, you'll see the most honorary person as a person in need of Christ. When you're moved with compassion, when you go out to eat, you won't just focus on yourself. You'll focus on your waiter. Your hands, your mouth, your eyes will flow with the compassion of God. Now, this happens to me all the time. It happened two days ago in Nashville. I'm sitting in a, in a uh, lift car, and our driver is from Kurdistan. And, and I said, well, we've had friends in Kyrgyzstan. And uh, so we're talking with him, and the love of God comes on me. Here's this man in the United States. Do you know who the Kurds are? The Kurds are that group of people everyone tries to stay away from because they're fighting against radical Islam. And the Islamic states don't want to support them. And they're the ones who never give up. And God's telling me this. And as we stop the car and everyone leaves, I turned to him and I shook his hand. And I said, your people are warriors. They have stood against wickedness. I honor you. And I pray Esau, who is the name of Jesus in Islam, I pray Esau would bless you. And then I backed it up with $5. Don't go blessing people and not giving them money. You're at this, at this restaurant, the waiters, you're so great. We think you're the greatest waiter. Then you tip 8%. What is that? Did you know when you back with actions, what you're doing is the force of the river starts to increase in you. It increases in you. And then you start looking at everyone with different eyes, with river eyes instead of self-focused eyes. His face was moved. You could tell he was moved by this. I go to the same restaurants all the time so I can get to know the people there. One hostess, she's kind of like bunchy. You know, bunchy people are like... Never really talked to me. She just say, "How many people in your table?" Okay, how many? And she would do that. And, and she's done this for two years. And, and I, I love people there. And I mean, I eat there once or twice every single week. And, and so one week, she's she's 
seating me. And usually she says, here's your table and, and goes back. But this time she says, here's your table. And then she got in the booth with me. And that makes me nervous as a pastor. <laughs> she leaned on the table and she said, can I ask you to pray for something? And I'm like, you don't even know me, but she knows me. You know, everyone's watching you. Everyone's watching you all the time. They're watching to see if you're self-focused or river-focused. And that's how the kingdom goes forward. Don't, don't make it really spiritual, y'all. Don't, don't be doing that to me. Because I'm not that spiritual, and neither are you. You know what it is? It's staying in the river. It's just staying in the river. And so she puts her arms here, and she says, I need your prayers. My, my son, Nathan, he, he's been on four tours of duty. He's a special forces in Afghanistan. He's a mess, and he's living up in Montana, and, and I, I, he needs help, and I'm afraid he's going to kill himself. I said, Jeannie, I'm going to pray for you regularly. Next time I come in, I said, how's Nathan? How did I know to say his name? Because I wrote it down right away. I immediately wrote it down. And she said, well, he moved to Omaha because the veterans hospital is here. And, and he told me someone gave him a Bible. And, and he said that he'd been born again. And he, she, she said this, Pastor Les, I don't know what that means. Now, you think witnessing is going and saying, do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? <laughs> If you don't, you're going to go to hell, so you better meet him right now. And that's what you think. And then you think, I don't know how to say it and all that stuff. We're at the hostess booth. I'm leaving. She's saying, so I went to my priest and I said, what is born again? And, but when he shared with me, I couldn't understand it. And then she looks at me and she says, Pastor Les, am I born again? And I didn't lead her in the four spiritual laws. I didn't bow my head at her hostess table as people were right there. Because why? Because the river wasn't flowing there. I said, I want to give you an assignment, Jeannie. And after you do it, I'll sit down with you and, and I'll walk through this with you. What is it? I want you to read God's love letter, John chapter 3, and read about being born again and ask Jesus what it means to be born again and if you are. And Jeannie's in the process of doing that right now. Here's my advice to you. Don't try so hard. But be available and actively remember, I'm a river people. I'm not of this world. I'm a part of a river that flows from the throne of God. I'm a river people. I am an ambassador of life. Did you know God wears people? Did you know that God, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives inside of you. And let me say this, he looks good in you if you stay in the river. Now, I know time is such a force that we have to face, so I'm going to speed up. I've been talking really slow so far, but now I'm going to speed up. So I'm in Monterey. I'm flying back to preach in Omaha. I'm sitting in the uh, waiting area, and there's a gal across the way. I only look at her once because she's wearing this red dress that's been poured on her. Okay, there are no seams. I, you, you can tell in one second. There are no seams, no line, nothing. It's been poured on her. And she is very attractive. And as I look at her, the Holy Spirit says, don't look at her again. Because it's not good for you to look at her. So I look at the guys around looking at her. <laughs> Did you know if you let the Holy Spirit speak to you, he'll, he'll overcome the lust that will tempt you. But if you lust alone, you'll lose. But if you're tempted to lust with Jesus, he'll go, come on now. Like the first time someone got on Chloe to the movie when I was with my wife-to-be, I just felt this hand pull me over to her. And the Holy Spirit just gently pull you over. He said, don't look at her. That, that's not healthy for you, and it won't please me. I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Don't you love it when you have victory? 
Pastor Lester, are you tempted with that? You had better believe it. I am a human being. So it calls for the plane. We get on the plane, and I walk over. Guess where my seat is? Right next to her. And I'm like, oh, dang, God. Dang. And I'm serious. So, so he, he sets me right there, and I'm sitting next to her, and she's right here. And it's like, I ain't looking at you. I ain't touching you. I ain't, I ain't doing anything. I'm just, I'm flying. But I could tell she was real fidgety, and she was opening stuff and closing it and, and getting food, and she just almost was shaking. And then she started to read, and as she was reading, she was reading like this. I could tell she could hardly read. She had the body every American woman tends to want. She had all the looks. She could barely read, and she was messed up, I could tell. And so I'm there, and I usually I start to rock almost, inside at least, but outside sometimes I do. Because the Holy Spirit starts to speak to me, and he starts to say, I want you to say something. I'm like, God, please, I, you know, I might have to look at her if I do this. He said, no, I want, you to, I want you to pray for her. I said, excuse me, we're about to land. Always happens that way. She's been fidgeting, drinking stuff, nervous. And I said, um, I, I don't want to catch you off guard, but often God will do this. Is there anything I can pray for you? She starts crying immediately. She said, I was in Monterey looking for a job. I'm from Phoenix, and, and I didn't get the job, and it's, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and I just really, here's this girl. She can barely read. She doesn't have a job. She lives with her parents. And, yes, she has a beautiful figure and all of that, but she is lost. So I pray for her. She cries, and then she grabs me. And I'm like, please, get back. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I was, and it's like, oh. And, uh, and, and then... Uh, I tell her about a church in Phoenix, and, and then I'm sitting there, and we're done. You know, I'm done. I'm looking straight ahead, and uh, he says, give her all your money. Pull the money out, and I said, hey, I just, I want to invest in you right now because you're important and you're valued to God. She's like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. I said, I am a dad, and I can do it. This is, this is dad money. You see, in the, in the waiting room, it was men looking, and, and now God shifted it to dad giving. And I, and I gave her the money, and she was overwhelmed, and I'm counting on her getting that church and become, becoming someone really significant and important in the kingdom of God. Because you know what? You don't have to lead them all to Jesus. You just have to follow Jesus now. And one of the most spiritual things you can do, and you'll see this church grow, and you'll see yourself grow, and you'll see the kingdom of God grow. All you have to do is ask this really super spiritual question, two big ones. Here's two big ones. You can do this. How are you today? And mean it. You will arrest people in the grocery line. You will arrest. And here's the next one. Anything I can pray for you? All of you can do that. And when you do and let the river flow through you, you will discover God is moving. Do you know what? You have to do this. It's really simple. How do you live in the river? Watch me. Watch me. Watch this. Watch this. It's big. It's big. Watch. Pick up your feet. Watch again. I know it's fast. Pick up your feet. And if you will pick up your feet, you know what will happen? He will carry you, and you won't be doing it. Here's the last thing. I'm over time. Forgive me. Am I okay? Okay? The river has a source. The river has a force. It's a force of compassion. And the river has a flow. Now, I won't read it, but here's what it said. The water went down the Araba, the Jordan. Did you know where Jesus was baptized? The lowest place on earth, the Jordan River. And then it goes all the way down to the Dead Sea, the lowest sea on earth. And it's so full of minerals, you can lay on top of it. You're not even floating, you're laying. 
and it flowed. And what happened? Everywhere the water touched became fresh, but that's not the word in Hebrew. It says everywhere the water touched was rafa, healed. The water was healed. Everywhere it went, there was healing. Listen, the river always descends. Now, if you want to ascend, Jesus says you have to descend. If you want to be great, then serve everybody. And if you're going to follow Jesus, realize this. He's descending. Are you willing to descend? Are you willing to follow him and descend? Because the scripture says this. You stoop down, God, to make me great. Did you know he stooped down for you from heaven? To make you into the great person, the word that he gave you this morning described. He stoops down. He descends. Now, as our band comes out and we close in prayer, let me tell you another story. Driving through the McDonald's drive-thru, didn't even know this guy. See, all tatted up and stuff and, and pierced and stuff. I like those people a lot. And as I'm going through, I asked him the big spiritual question. How you doing? He said, well, I was so sick this morning, I didn't think I'd come to work, and I really feel really junky right now. I said, let me pray for you. I put my fist out. You're not going to hold a guy's hand through McDonald's window. You can fist, but do not hold his hand through there. Plus, he's sick, and I want to get sick, so I'm, I'm fisting. And, and, and I, I just started. He could have said, no, 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 get away from me. I'm tatted. No, he said, okay. okay. And, and so I, I'm like, Oh, Jesus, would you just touch this man and show him how much you love him and, and just heal him starting today now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Look up, tears in his eyes. You know why our world doesn't know Jesus as fully as they need to know Jesus? Because we're on the bank or we're dipping. Are you a dipper? Or we're bobbers. You go in a little bit and you do this. Oh, church was great this weekend. Oh, this was good. My quiet time, it was great. He wants you to live in the river. The river's in you. Are you in the river? So he says this, guard the source. Daily, be intimate with Jesus. Even if you blow it, tell him you're blowing it. Even if you're messed up, tell him you're messed up. He wants to hear from you. Guard the source, guard the source. Live in its force. Its force is compassion. When you feel compassion on someone, do something. Doesn't have to be spiritual. It's all spiritual. And then follow the flow. You know where it will lead you? Jesus lives low. You know where he wants us to live? With him. Low. Why? So you can raise people up. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory@radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radiant Church, please click Give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radiant Church? Check out radiantintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.